Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 39, called, You Have Need of Endurance. You have need of endurance. How many of you would say, that's me? All right, we're going to give you a treatment tonight, hopefully that will encourage your life. And the uh, text before us is Hebrews 10, 26 through 39. It's in two major parts. One is a stern warning, one's a strong encouragement. So we'll, we'll move through uh, to the end of the chapter tonight. And if you've read through the book of Hebrews before, you know that when we move into chapter 11, we're going to be talking a lot about endurance. We're going to see the great hall of faith, and we're going to see many people who endured as seeing him who is not seen. And we're going to see people like Noah, for example, and Abraham and Moses and many others. And the writer will specifically bring these out to encourage the first century church and for us, the church in this century, to endure, to keep moving forward, to press on. So hopefully tonight, this will be a good encouragement to you. Uh, If you are able, would you stand with us for the reading of God's word, Hebrews 10. Picking it up at verse 26. The writer says, starting with a stern warning, for if we go on sinning willfully, Hebrews 10, 26, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward, For you have need of endurance, there's our title tonight, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. You can have a seat. Father, thank you for this great section in the book of Hebrews, certainly a stern and scary warning, one that is sobering and one that has probably caused some to lose sleep, and a strong encouragement. We need to persevere, to endure, Lord, and you are the God that gives endurance. Through the uh, encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, and you're the God who gives perseverance, and so Tonight, I pray that you would give that gift of endurance to those who are exhausted and under heavy burdens. 
And maybe even for those who are too comfortable tonight, may you afflict the comfortable so that, Lord, we don't become lazy or not understand what we need to do with the gospel. So help us, Lord, to have that balance. May you be glorified in the teaching of your word and the way that we receive it and the way we respond to it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. So if you want to divide the uh, text tonight just by way of taking notes, 10, 26 through 31 is a stern warning. It's probably the strongest warning perhaps in all the Bible or at least in the New Testament or one of the stronger warnings. For example, it's a fearful thing to the fall into the hands of the living God. And there's some language here that we need to understand and we need to understand the audience and so forth. The second half of what we're going to deal with tonight is a strong encouragement. And I, when I looked at verse 36, that kind of just leaped out at me, for you have need of endurance. And I would imagine that, as I mentioned at the forefront tonight, that endurance is something that we can all uh, relate to and need and appreciate. And uh, endurance is uh, something that probably is well captured in sports where you might think of a long distance runner, you might think of a, an athlete or a boxer or a basketball player, whatever it may be. And to endure means you keep pushing even through adversity, even when things are difficult. And God in Romans 15, I believe it's verse five, it's either four or five, is the God who gives perseverance. And one of the ways that he gives perseverance or endurance, which is a synonym for that, is through the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. So every time we open the word of God, every time we look into what the the God of the word has to say to us, I believe that at least one thing he wants to do consistently in your life and mine is give you endurance, help you to press on, help you to keep moving forward. And I know in this broken world, that can be hard. Last week, uh, Alex preached to us from uh, Hebrews 10, and he concluded in verse 25, and he was talking a lot about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Look at verse 25 just to set the context. It says, not forsaking our own assembly together, assembling together as is the habit of some. Some had become habitual in not uh, fellowshipping with other believers, but encouraging one another. And Alex brought out that we find perseverance not just through the Bible, not just through the God who gives perseverance, but through community. And that was last week's message. And if you want to be able to fight temptation and to also find another layer of endurance, you find it in community. And if you don't gather with other believers, and the writer doesn't say it has to be in a certain type of building, this could be around you know, a table at a restaurant. This could be a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Whenever you are gathering with other believers, you're going to find another level of encouragement and endurance. In fact, the writer says we need to provoke one another to love and good deeds. And we can't do that if we forsake assembling together. And ironically, as Alex preached the message last week, it was a rather thin crowd. I thought there was some irony there. And Alex actually went back to the time of COVID. And he talked about some of those services and what was happening in the, the Christian church and the fear and you know how churches were trying to navigate those times. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. But he says in the NIV, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching or the day drawing near. Most would say that the day drawing near is the ultimate day of the Lord. And I think there's some pretty good evidence for that. But there are other scholars that you need to know about who believe that the day drawing near 
is the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. In 64, Paul penned the letter to the Hebrews. If the writer is alluding to AD 70 as the day drawing near, think about it, that's when Jerusalem was destroyed and everything related to the old covenant disappeared. Amen? The system that these early Hebrew Christians were tempted to go back to was in Jerusalem, the sacrificial system and the like. Once the Roman armies destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70, there was nothing to go back to. The day for them was drawing near. Minimally, we could say this, that AD 70 was a type or a day of the Lord in embryo. The ultimate day of the Lord will be the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for that first century audience, could they have really understood? And Jesus prophesied this, but did, did they put it together? That that whole system that they were tempted to go back to would not exist beyond AD 70. Around 30, Jesus said, this generation will not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. We'll study that in Matthew 24. But here's my, my point. Jesus actually predicted the destruction of the temple. He did it in the book of Luke. He said, there won't be one stone left upon another that will not be thrown down. That was a prophecy that came to pass, which is another evidence that Jesus is God. This first century audience hearing the day drawing near, what else would be the day for them? So that's just something to think about, right? That system, the things that we're tempted to go back to often are so brittle, so temporary. And perhaps, I I throw that out for your consideration, that's what the writer is telling them. Don't hold on to something that is fading away so quickly and soon to be completely gone. For if we go on sinning, the word there is the basic word for sin, to miss the mark. If we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, that's epinosis in the Greek, that's a precise knowledge of the truth of Jesus and the gospel, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, when you think about going on sinning willfully, it's hard to understand what sin would look like if it wasn't willful. (laughs) I mean, pretty much when we sin, we do it willfully, amen? Now, there are sins of omission, and perhaps there are some things that we do that we're just ignorant to. Maybe when we're newer believers, we don't understand, you know, everything that the Word of God has to say. So maybe there's some sins of ignorance we just didn't know, some sins of omission, but that's still a willful decision that we make. What is the writer saying to these particular believers who receive this letter? Just remember, they are first century Jewish Christians tempted to go back to the sacrificial system. And the writer is saying, this is, by the way, the fourth of five warning passages in Hebrews that has made people lose sleep. And he's basically saying this. This is what I believe is going on. If you go back to that system where it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, Hebrews 10, 4, there will be nothing left. And if the day drawing near is the fall of Jerusalem, there literally literally will be nothing left because no other sacrifices will be taking place. In Hebrews 6, when we went through that difficult passage, I told you that the word impossible there and re-crucifying the Son of God over and over again is probably a reference to those believers tempted to go back to the shadows instead of the fulfillment in Christ, to go back to the old covenant instead of the new covenant. But here... 
if they were to try to go back, there's nothing left there. It's been fulfilled in Christ. And literally in about six years from the time of the writing of Hebrews, there would be literally nothing left to go back to. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. To go back to the old covenant instead of the new covenant. But here, if they were to try to go back, there's nothing left there. It's been fulfilled in Christ. And literally in about six years from the time of the writing of Hebrews, there would be literally nothing left to go back to. And the writer is saying, look, if you have the knowledge of the gospel and you walk away back to the shadows of the old covenant, which is fulfilled in Christ, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. You can't go back to the blood of bulls and goats because there is nothing there for you. You can't go back to the shadows and eventually even that system will be gone from the earth. And it's been gone, by the way, since AD 70 until this day, there's been no temple in Jerusalem and thus no sacrificial system. It's not there because it's been fulfilled in Christ. So imagine a first century Jewish Christian, or at least a professed Christian, who's with the community, hears the gospel, understands what Christ did, understands he's the fulfillment of all the sacrificial systems and the the blood of bulls and goats. He's the Lamb of God. Imagine someone sits under that teaching, receives it, makes a profession of faith, maybe goes into a baptismal, confesses Christ, and then gravitates back to that old system because of pressure, persecution, whatever it may be. The writer's saying, if you do that, If you leave Christ, there is no longer a sacrifice for your sin. Because where would you go, brethren, if you don't have Christ's righteousness credited to your account? What are you going to do with your sin now? Are you going to try to rely on a system that's been supplanted by the new covenant? It's not going to work. Are you going to try to go back to your good works and hopefully your good works will outweigh your bad works? You know, tonight... There are a lot of people walking the planet who have heard the gospel, grew up in the church, maybe had a bad experience, maybe got offended by a Christian, maybe had a bad experience with a a leader in the church, whatever it may be, and they walked away. But the question is, to what? If you don't have Christ, what do you have? 
what you'll end up doing is standing before God on your own merits on that day. And all I can say is rot's a ruck. Because God is pure in his judgment. And God judged his son instead of us. That's the gospel. That's the good news. I'm in Christ. I have his righteousness. But if I don't have it, then there's no other sacrifice. There's nothing left, brethren. Good works won't do it. 20 uh, steps on some path of enlightenment ain't going to do it. The isms and the ologies and whatever else that may be out there won't do it. Without Christ, you're going to stand before God and be measured by the Ten Commandments. Not only how you performed outwardly, but your motives, your thoughts, it's all there before the Lord. You want to take that risk? I don't. (laughs) I want to be found in Christ. Amen? And we have a great high priest. We've been learning, sympathetic, superior, who stands at the right hand of God or is seated at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So if, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, one goes on willfully, uh, and, and this may tie to verse 25, they've removed themselves from the church. They're no longer in fellowship. Let me just say this. If you don't have a hunger to be with God's people, you may want to check yourself. Because we know we've passed out of death into life because we love God's people. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't take a Sunday off. I do. (laughs) Every now and then. (laughs) You're like, what? Yeah, pastors every now and then, right? It doesn't mean that you're under some legalistic trip that every time the doors open here, you've got to be here. That's not what I'm saying. Because we're not under some legalistic yoke as believers. But I pray that when these doors open, when you do come, you come because you want to be here. Amen? Because you deeply desire to know God and know his truth. So those who forsake the church then oftentimes forsake Christ. You'll run into people and they'll say, I can worship God at the beach or on the golf course. Well, maybe you can for a little while, but if you don't have a desire to assemble with God's people, you gotta check yourself because this is the organism that God has put on the planet. And so this warning, and you can see how severe it is, right? There's no longer, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And I, I just think simply this means if you're walking away from Christ, to what do you go? Where will you go? Your old life, the sacrificial system, etc. it's not going to work. And so willfully is a word that carries I, the idea of deliberate intention and it's habitual, It's a word that is first in the sentence here in the Greek language. If we go on sinning willfully against the Lord, if if we reject the gospel, then we're going to find ourselves in trouble, and we don't want to do that. Apostasy is the root word here or the main idea here. And apostasy means a defection. And so people wrestle with, well, who are these people that might go on sinning willfully, stop Uh, attending or gathering with the saints? Who are they? This is always the big $64,000 question. Were they Christians who lost their salvation? Were they pretenders like Judas Iscariot who wore a mask? Were they, uh, you know, tares among the wheat? That kind of thing. And those are questions that we'll wrestle a little bit more with even tonight. But here's what's going to happen with those who don't have Christ in their lives. They will anticipate a certain, you can take it to the bank, terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire 
which will consume the adversaries. You've been listening to You Have Need of Endurance, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 39. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, I think we all can say that we have need of endurance. And the question is, how do we get endurance? And endurance comes from the Lord. He's the God who gives perseverance. Romans 15, you can look at verses 3 through 5. But maybe you have some questions. Maybe you're new to the Christian faith. Maybe you're wondering, well, are Christians just automatically forgiven and they can get away with the same stuff that I do, but I'm going to be judged for it and they're not? Well, remember that Christians are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, but they're not without excuse. And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, we're told that if a Christian takes fire to their bosom or their chest, they're going to be burned. And Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the fact that God disciplines the one that he loves. Christians, while they do sin, they're supposed to sin less. We're all supposed to sin less. And our goal, of course, is to live godly lives. But the difference between a Christian and non-Christian is plainly this. One is forgiven through the blood of Christ and one is not. Now, a forgiven person is going to behave differently than an unforgiven person. And I often say to people, a big part of the motivation for godly living for me is a big thank you for the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you're an unbeliever and you're struggling with, well, why does the Christian you know, that I work with do the same stuff that I'm doing, but, but he's going to be forgiven because he's trusted in Jesus. And the point is that Jesus came because we all need forgiveness. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So my friend, if you're an unbeliever, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, well, that's the good news of the gospel is that someone else has paid your fine, paid your debt. I said a couple broadcasts ago, it's not an excuse to sin, but it is a great, huge relief to have my sin paid for in full through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, Pastor Michael, how does one avail themselves to this great hope? I'm sure that's probably why you've remained listening to this broadcast. And the truth is that it's a gift. Salvation is the free gift of God. It's not by works, lest anyone should boast. It should produce good works, but it doesn't come by good works. It comes as a gift and, and by definition, a gift is not earned or deserved. So why don't you pray right now? You've been putting it off. You've been wondering, you know, would it work for me if I, maybe you think, oh, I've sinned too many times against God. God knows everything you've ever done. And Jesus died for you while you were yet a sinner. Cry out, Lord Jesus, save me. Thank you for this incredible gift of the new covenant in the cross and the resurrection but namely in the person of Jesus through his blood, his death. I repent. 
I receive you as my King, my God, my Lord. Please forgive me. Make me a new person. Let me be born again to a living hope, and and I want to follow you. I want to please you. I want my life to be that thank you note. I want it to be about you and not about me, O God. This is the hope of the gospel, my friend. And if you cried out, you didn't have to have perfect words. But if you cried out to him for salvation, he's faithful to save. He'll teach you what it means to follow him, but you need to also learn. And that means that you learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ, that you grow, that you take up your cross and follow him, that you live for a transcendent cause above and beyond yourself in your immediate lifetime. Uh, This is what it's all about. Hey, if we can help you in any way, the number you can call to talk to a pastor, that would be Tuesday through Friday, uh, business hours, Pacific time, 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. It is always our prayer that people who listen, who are not believers, would be saved and believers would be more and more encouraged and equipped to live for Christ. So I pray that's happening for you. And uh, if you'd like to reach out via our website, remember the website is walkintruth.com. We'll see you for part three of You Have Need of Endurance tomorrow. We'll see you here. And just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 10, 26 through 39, called You Have Need of Endurance. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.